Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, today we're going to have the second interview with Jackson and Xanthi. I just checked his blog, and I guess he's gotten to the Galapagos Island from Panama. I don't, Jackson, if you're listening to this, if you've got good internet access, let's get together and do another episode. I know we've got four episodes all together so far, and I know you've got a lot more stories to tell, so I want to make sure we get them all down on audio. So you may be out in the middle of the Pacific right now, but when you hear this, get in touch so we can continue the saga, telling the stories about your adventures. All right, before we get to the question period, let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping you with everything you need to sew for your boat, from bimini's and boat covers to upholstery work and even sewing your own sails. Sailrite is your one-stop shop for fabric, sail and canvas kits, tools, hardware and sewing supplies. Sailrite is also the maker of the patented Ultrafeed sewing machine, a portable heavy-duty machine that can handle all the sewing jobs for your boat and more. A passionate crew of DIYers, Sailrite produces high-quality, free how-to videos to empower their customers to turn their sewing dreams into a reality. You know, when I <laughs> I recorded that ad, I had the hardest time saying patented, patented. I had to try that over and over and over again so it doesn't quite sound right when I read that. But uh, I like Sailrite, and I'm proud to have them sponsor the podcast. All right, let's get on to the question and answer period. Get ready for today's mailbag. I like getting emails from my friends out there, so if you have any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or questions, write me franz1 at medsailor.com or use the contact form at the website. Now for today's emails. This first email comes from Kavnik Asler. And he writes, Hi, Franz. Hope this finds you well. My wife and I recently got exposed to your podcast, which has been an invaluable resource for us, so thank you. We are both San Francisco professionals and sailors and have been planning and saving for our upcoming sabbatical in the Med. Our plan is to purchase the boat of our dreams in the Med, preferably in Turkey, Greece, or somewhere in the Adriatic. Spend the first year in the Aegean, second year sailing west, exploring the Med, and join the Ark to cross the pond and last year in the Caribbean until we run out of money. Well, that is the plan, but I have a feeling that once we're out there doing it, things will change. More likely, as humans, will change, so who knows where we end up. I'm originally from Turkey and have been living in the San Francisco Bay Area for the last 20 years or so. Both my wife and I learned how to sail here in the Bay through a reputable sailing school. I am U.S. Sailing CPM certified and my wife is bareboat certified. We have a number of charters under our belt in Turkey, Greece, the BVIs, and the Pacific. Our goal is to set sail next year around this time. So as you can imagine, we're ecstatic and hungry for information. 
we are likely to get a 10 to 15 year old vessel. So depending on where we land on the boat, if outside of Turkey, I would like to get minimal repairs done for a safe passage back to Turkey where I'd like to get the majority of work done at a reputable establishment. Being lower cost, better craftsmanship, so we've heard from other European sailors, and more than anything, me being Turkish and speaking the language makes it easier. I understand you kept your boat in Bodrum for some time, so hope to pick up your brain on boatyards and marinas you can recommend for repairs, upgrades, depending on the timing. We may be winterizing the boat on the dry. I stop here for now. Looking forward to hearing from you. Kavank, K-A- K-I-V-A-N-C, Kavanick and Daniil Aslinner. Well, Kavanick, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I sent you back an email, gave you my cell phone number, and never heard back from you, but I'm, you're more than welcome to give me a call. I don't write emails. I mean, I just do not write. If you want me to write you an email, that's about the extent of my emails. It's going to be Here's my number. Call me. And if I don't hear back from you, well, it's it's hard for me to respond. But I will uh, give you a little bit of information. I agree with you. I think uh, it's a much better bargain to do work on your boat in Turkey than anywhere else in the Mediterranean. I think the quality is top-notch. The people are honest. And I've only had good experiences with the people I've hired to work on my boat in Turkey. Now, I've had a bowsprit rebuilt well, my bowsprit and boomkin rebuilt uh, near Yacht Lift, which is a boatyard near Bodrum. And there's uh, a bunch of other facilities right near Yacht Lift. And if they can't do it, they can find somebody that can do it. I recommend them highly. Uh, it's nice to go back to a place. The first time I went to Yacht Lift, it was a big, it was a yard. And uh, they took my boat out of the water with an old uh, travel lift and propped it up with posts. That's all there was to it, posts and wedges. And they've come a long ways since then. Of course, the prices have gone up as well. I'd sort of like to go back to the old ways. But uh, now they've got three or four different travel lifts. The entire uh, lot is uh, uh, asphalted, and uh, they, they've really upgraded their facilities. All the cradles are steel cradles. And they're a top-notch facility, and they know me. Every time I go back, they say, oh, you're back again. So it's actually nice to be um, on a good relationship with a boatyard like that. Uh, I had a carpenter that was just outside of the marina do my work that I needed to have done. He also rebuilt a hatch for me, my forward hatch, built a new one for me. And uh, I've also had work done up in Cushadasi. Now, I know I'm not pronouncing it correctly according to Turks, but nobody ever... <laughs> tells me exactly how to pronounce it. But anyway, that's how I pronounce it. Cushadasi. I had a refrigerator put in up there and a repair the one that I had, which was basically buying a new one. And I had some cushions recovered up there, some upholstery work done up there, as well as a couple little bit of machine shop work done on something I was building for my for my auto helm. So those are two places that I recommend highly, Cushada Sea and Yacht Lift in Bodrum. Bodrum will be less expensive if you pull your boat out of the water and store it on the hard. It's not a marina. It's a boat yard. So you'd probably want to pull your boat out and have the work done there and put it back in. Cushada Sea is a marina. And I think it's, 
Seter Marina. It's a Seter Marina up in Cushadasi. But they've got all the facilities up there. They have experts in everything, mechanics, refrigeration, upholstery, sailmakers, everything up there. So I had a little bit of work done in Finicky as well, down in Finicky, but that was a long time ago. But I agree with you. I think for the money, you can't do better than going back to Turkey and having work done there. I price things out in Croatia and can't believe how much it is in Croatia to have work done. Um, and I, I think the quality is actually, well, I don't know, better, but top-notch in Turkey. So I hope that helps. And, again, feel free to call me directly if you want to. You have my cell phone number. Got an email from Craig Anderson. Craig came out, and we were hoping to get together, but I don't think we did. Anyway, Craig asked me suggestions for avoiding seasickness. And I've got this question from other people in the past. And I'm not prone to seasickness myself. I, I did get seasick one time when I was on the west coast of Vancouver Island. We had sailed around the um, north end of the island, way out around Brooks Peninsula. Actually, I'm not sure if it was Brooks Peninsula. Anyway, we went into Quiet Sound, which is this extremely well-protected sound on the west coast of Vancouver Island. It's a big sound. And uh, there was a big storm that came in right after we got in there. And the storm raged for four or five days, and we were sort of stuck in this sound, which was, which was really well protected. It was almost like a mill pond in some of the anchorages we went to. It was so well protected. But you wouldn't think there was a storm raging offshore. But every day we would go out and poke our nose out the entrance to see if we could continue down the coast And uh, no, we would turn around and come back in. Well, eventually the winds died down and we headed out. And as we're going out this fairly narrow passage, because we had to get quite a ways offshore before we could really turn south because there were so many hazards to navigation. I was down below plotting a course on the chart. And this was in the time when the GPS gave you latitude and longitude and you didn't have chart plotters. And I was working on the table, laying out routes on a chart. I was down there probably about 15, 20 minutes, and suddenly I started feeling nauseous and went up above deck and watched the horizon for about two hours till that nasty feeling went away. And then the other time I got motion sickness was on a uh, a ride at a local amusement park called Lagoon here in Utah. I don't remember what ride it was, but I did not feel good after I got off that ride. But as a general rule, I do not get seasick. I'm not prone to seasickness, so I'm lucky that way. But I know a lot of people do and still want to go sailing, so I <laughs> I don't know the best answer. Most people figure this out for themselves. But I did do a Google search, and I put a link to this page on the website, and it's basically WebMD. They talk about motion sickness. They say uh, there's a few things you can do to help with motion sickness. Lay off caffeine, alcohol, and big big meals before the trip, drink lots of water instead. And if you do start feeling nauseous, lie down if you can or shut your eyes and keep your head still. And then they say, look at the horizon. So I guess you could lay down on the horizon and look on the horizon on your side on the deck. Don't read or stare at the seat in front of you. Find a better spot. There's places on a boat that get more motion and less motion. The very center of the boat is usually the place where the least motion comes. Uh, add some distractions, music, eat something, 
like dry crackers. Sometimes they will calm a queasy stomach. Suck on lozenges. Something with ginger in it may be especially helpful. There's some evidence that bands put pressure that put pressure on your wrists sometimes help. Uh, some send a small electrical stimulation to a specific area. These are the uh, natural remedies. But the more common ones are Dramamine, which will put you to sleep, Cyclozine, uh, some antihistamines. Now, other people use scopolamine patches, and some people use Benadryl. So take a look at the article or just Google it, uh, how to beat motion sickness, and take a look at it. You're going to have to find out what works for you. We bought some of those bands that you put around your wrist, and we found they were basically a waste of money. But some people may think that they work, and you don't know. Sometimes placebos work. I don't know. Anyway, that's all I have to say on motion sickness. All right, that's going to finish up the questions for today. That's it for today's emails. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, or comments or questions, write me, franz1 at medsailor.com, or use the contact form at the website. If you want to do me a big favor, you could become a Patreon of the podcast. I have a few listeners out there that are already patrons, and I'm looking for more. If you have some spare change that you could throw my way once in a while, please sign up at patreon.com backslash medsafe. And one more thing, if you like the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast directory. All right, let's get on to today's episode. I belong to a club in Salt Lake called the Alta Club, which is an old gentleman's club. And every month we have a couple uh, events. One's club night where everybody gets together and we have a speaker come in and you drink and you have dinner. And I've been asked to talk about well, both podcasting and sailing in the Mediterranean in October. So I'm looking forward to that. I've been going back through <laughs> photographs that I've taken since 97. And unfortunately, those early photographs are all slides, and they haven't been digitized. I was a slow adopter of digital photographs. But boy, there's so many memories back then. So many. <laughs> I'm going to have a really hard time deciding what images to put up and what not to put up. It's just uh, so many so many memories. And as I go through these photographs, I mean, it brings back memories of every day that I took those photographs. And over the last few years, I've been taking fewer and fewer photographs, and I think I need to get back to taking more photographs. But anyway, let's get on to the interview with Jackson and Xanthi. This is the second of, so far, four interviews I've done with Jackson and Xanthi. So... We'll have the next one hopefully next week as well. Hopefully. All right, this is Franz. I'm back for our second portion with the, of my interview with Jackson Crandall and Xanthi. And uh, the last time we talked, you, you just talked about uh, upgrading your chain at uh, Guvia and having some other work done at Guvia. By the way, I also uh, replaced my batteries at Guvia. A few years ago. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I actually paid for it to put it in the boat because those things are so heavy. 
Tibbs. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're telling us. <laughs> well, I hope yours did better than mine, Franz. Oh, because, really? Okay. Yeah, skipping forward six months, we actually just had to replace them again. <laughs> what brand did you get? We got Exide batteries. Okay. And I think I had something that started with a V. Vetus? Vetus, yeah. Yeah. I mean. And I had those tested last year, and they were still holding up, so I was happy to see that. Well, you've done well. I, look, I spent quite a few days going around all the battery shops and doing as much investigation as I could. And I came across one battery shop who was had a big pallet of these Exide batteries, and they were supplying them to all the charter companies. Uh-huh. Um, and they were a dual-purpose battery. Um, and unfortunately, they have just failed after six months uh, they just won't hold a charge overnight really after we charge them up all day you know with the solar and whatnot um, you know come the afternoon they're fully charged up at 12.8 and literally just running the fridge in an anchor light overnight they'll be down to 11.8 in the morning um, which when we first bought them you know, they weren't doing that at all. We have four house batteries. Each of them were 100 amps. So we've got 400 amps of batteries now. And uh, we'd use 30 amps overnight just running the fridge. And that would use that would use 80% of our battery capacity. So, um, yeah, look, we had them tested. And although they, you know, when they were fully charged, after just being charged, they would pass a battery test. Um a load test. Yeah, like a load test. They won't actually, they they won't perform a uh, capacity test, you know, because each battery is rated to 20 hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a battery should be able to output 100 amps over 20 hours before, they, before the voltage drops. And our batteries were lasting three hours out of the 20. Okay. So... Huh. Yeah, look, it's been, been a saga for us throughout the Caribbean trying to replace those. But um, all right, yeah. So we are, we anyway. haven't identified where you're at right now. So tell because you've got a, some background noise. You're in a restaurant. Tell us where you're at right now. Sure. Yeah, right now we're in uh, Panama City. Uh, we've just made our way through the canal, so we're finally in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, we're the closest to Australia that we've been in the last nine months. Yeah, we're in our mother ocean now. And uh, we're just preparing the boat to make our way over to the South Pacific. All right. Sitting in the lobby of a hotel. (laughs) Okay. That we're not staying at, may I add. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's continue with your Mediterranean adventure. Yeah, sure. uh, I mean, um, we can probably fast forward a little uh, because we only really got to go to the Ionian Islands in Greece. Well, we went to Paxos. That knocked our socks off. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, that is, <laughs> my bad, that is part of the Ionian Islands. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean it knocked your socks off? It was so beautiful. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. The little, really town of, uh, the little town of, what is, what's the name of that town? It's, uh, 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 Giles? Paxoy? Paxoy, where you go through, like, you come in on the, no- yeah, Guy, Guy. Gawas. Yeah, that yeah, place yeah. was really cool. Yeah, where you come in at the north the, end and go out on the south end, right? Yeah, because yeah. the island itself is quite exposed. There's not many um, comfortable anchorages, so it, it's really good to have that little um, 
it's that little inlet. The town's really pretty. Yeah, I, I, it's one of my favorite places to go when I'm going down through that area. It's that. Now, there's an anchorage farther south that I've never really been into it, too. But it's, oh, we went there. Do you remember, um, Jackson? We That was where we spent our last night on that island. We went there when we oh, had your yeah, friend Mitch too, visiting. Yeah. yeah, that was a really special place. We yeah, went stern to there. Yeah, quite a nice little anchorage. Down yeah. There. Okay. Now, did you go down... Uh, into the other Ionian Islands then, or just Paxi? Did you go down yeah, through we the Lefkis to... Canal and go down? We did. Through... All right. We okay. did, yeah. So we, again, uh, going through, because you actually put us onto that, Franz, of going down there through that canal and making our way down through Lefkis and whatnot. Um, we loved it down there. Yeah, yes. we went to go and see the waterfall at Nidri. Oh, yep. did you? Okay. Yeah, we just walked from the anchorage. It wasn't too far at all. And uh, the waterfall's amazing there. All right. I've never been to the waterfall at Nidri. So that's that. That's well, you've got to put that on your list. Okay. <laughs> well, where is it? I mean, uh, it, it, did were you anchored in the bay there or were you by the town of Nidri? Yeah. Yeah, we, we were anchored in the bay, and then we just dinghied across to the town, and there's, it, it is signposted. Oh, okay. So, yeah. It depends how far you're willing to walk, though. I think it ended up taking us probably an hour to walk yeah. there. Okay. So, yeah. alternatively, you could uh, get a taxi, which wouldn't cost much. Yeah. All right. So where did you go? Now, how did you, so did you clear it? You cleared in in uh, Corfu. Correct. You went, to the, yeah. you went to the customs dock, and they've got it fairly efficient yeah. there. As I, you know, because I've, I've cleared in and out of there a couple times. Now. Unless you can find it. You, yeah, it's hard to find. It is really <laughs> yeah. hard to find. We walked up. We walked up and down that dock a couple of times before we found it. But yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, no, you're right, Franz. It was quite easy to clear in once you found it. They were pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, it was okay. Go ahead. We, oh, I was just going to say, like we, you know, we we heard some bad experiences of um, cruises and clearing in and out, and often on the day, it's uh, it's often up to the person you get as to how difficult they make life for you. Um, and yeah, we were lucky on that day that we managed mm. to get through. Yeah, they rushed us through. Well, I find, you know, if I, if I, what I find is just hard to find them open because they seem to be closed most yeah. of the time. That's the hard part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, clearing out was a different story, which we'll get to. All right. Let's, let's work our way. <laughs> what islands did you stop in and what were your favorite anchorages in the Ionians? So we went down to the Kinthos after that and we actually spent a rather long time there, a couple of weeks. Really? We so you, you skipped over Kefalonia and Ithaca and went straight down to... Yeah, because we were so keen on the Kinthos. We'd heard so much great stuff about it that we were really keen to spend a good amount of time there. Yeah, so we just sort of picked up. I'm trying to remember the anchorages that we did actually choose. I think we we actually stopped here in Kefalonia, right? Yeah, just for a night. I can't say that we saw much of Kefalonia. Um, But we're just looking at the Kinthos now on the map. Where did we go first, Jackson? Um, I think we actually landed in Zakynthos itself. Oh, yeah, the main city. Okay. Yeah. And then we worked our way down south until you get into that big bay. Uh-huh. 
and down there there's well it's a, it's a huge marine park yeah it's a national park and it's famous for its turtles so there's lots of awesome turtles around and um there's actually there's two islands in that bay. Mm-hmm, I'm looking uh, we at went it. to yeah. yeah we went to the western one there. Okay. And there was actually some really nice diving and snorkeling. Yes. And whatnot. One Mar- thing I'll say okay, about that island. Here. It says it's called Marthanisi. Marthanisi. Yeah, that sounds about right. I-S-I, right? Okay. Yeah. And you were saying you went scuba dive snorkeling. Yeah. I mean, at that point, we've been trying to do a lot of free diving, so. We actually found a great spot to do free diving there because there was, you could get down to about 20 meters. Like yeah, it's nice and deep finally. Yeah. Um, quite a bit of life around there, so that was nice. And yeah, just for us being able to see the turtles for the first time. Yeah. I don't know about you, France, but we kind of found the med a little bit underwhelming in terms of <laughs> yeah. sea life. Yeah, compared to um, Australia, it's, it's, a, it's like a dead uh, sea. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> it we, is. We were shocked. So. It was kind of nice to finally be there and have turtles and yeah, it was really nice. And also, if you like caves, we we we're we're a couple who love caves, and um, this island was chock full of caves. Okay. Yeah, it was amazing. So where did you anchor on that? Because it looks like it's a well, I guess there is shallow spots around that island. Yeah. So if you're just so you anchor on the western side of that island. Okay. There was plenty of spots there. And then we actually didn't stay there overnight and we made our way just west. And you'll see like there's a little dock and like a little port just mm-hmm. west of that island yep. mm-hmm. um, where you just anchored in there for the okay. night. Yeah. Um, and explored there. And then after that, we sort of made our way down uh, across the west, down the southern tip there and over and up the western side. I'd really recommend for all the cruisers out there, down that southern end of that peninsula, it's just incredible. I mean, we spent a whole day there by surprise. Yeah. Um, but just, there's not many places that you can pull up your boat to just those massive cliffs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's quite a spectacular place to, to just be anchored and explore. Uh, and as Zan said, heaps of caves around to take your dinghy and check out. And from memory, the whole western side of the island was a bit too exposed. There, there weren't really any places that we could stop. Yeah, I'm exactly. looking at that. So it looks like that. it's all yeah. cliffs along the uh, along that yeah. side of the island. Yeah. So we stopped in at um, Shipwreck Bay, which is on the northwest. You've got to go there. I mean, it's it's the highlight of the island. Um, there were a couple of boats and they're anchored. So we went there really early in the morning and a couple of people had spent the night and we felt really sorry for them. It was so exposed and so rolly, uh, but beautiful. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've heard about Shipwreck Bay from other people I've talked to. I've never been, I've never been to Zakynthos. That's one island I've never oh, really? been to, no. No. Well, Shipwreck Bay, actually, they had a bit of a, a disaster. It was in the news, I think, maybe a month ago. Uh, they had a bit of a landslide, so it's actually closed at the moment. Um, but, yeah, hopefully when that all clears up, then people can start going there again. I'm not sure about boat access at the moment. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and on this Google Earth image, it looks like there was a mega yacht poking its nose in there. Oh, anchored. cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and you can see the the ship on the shore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. 
Oh. And the, the water there is insane. It's really lovely. And then all about all about that northern the northern tip of the island as you're working your way up. Um, there is what do they call it? They call it like the cathedral or something. There's all those caves, like that, like a kilometer of caves. Yeah, I forget what it was called. Like a cathedral. Oh, really? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's hard to explain, France, isn't it? But it's it's like once you have your own boat or you're chartering a boat, it's it's one of those places that you can just keep making your way around the coastline and just find stuff as you go Mm -hmm. and find little bays and caves and unique places that aren't necessarily we'll be able to pinpoint on the map. But um, I guess once you're confident with anchoring and getting your boat into tighter places, um, it's just... You can't go wrong. Yeah, it's just an absolute perfect spot to cruise. Yeah, we had a great time there. Yeah. And then that's where we cleared out of. Oh, where did you clear out? You cleared out at Zacanthos? At Zacanthos, yeah. So you went back around to the main city? or We did. Yeah. Okay. We circled the whole island. So you circumnavigated the island. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you cleared out of Zacanthos, and then where did you head from there? So from Zacanthos, we actually made our way down to Malta. Oh, okay. Uh, So we had a a choice between whether we wanted to go down to the southern bit of Italy there or go to Malta mm-hmm. um, and Malta was a place that neither of us had been before mm-hmm. and we were really excited to check it out so yeah it was a three day passage over to Malta um, and again we as always stuff broke the water pump broke <laughs> yeah. uh, the fridge thermostat the broke alright I'm going to stop you for just a second I got to yep. do something right now because I got yep. somebody coming in my office I'm going to get right back with you so hold on here okay? sure. sure no worries yep no worries okay so when you got to Malta where did you clear in on the uh, there's two bays there that you go into which one did you go into to clear um Tashbish. yes is that how you say it? Yeah, Mesita. Um, Mesita Marina, yeah. So Valletta mm-hmm. is the main city, and then we went to the marina there in Mesita. Mesita, Mesita. Mesita. M-S-I-D-A. Ah, okay, okay. Okay, yeah. Now there's a Manol Island there as well, which Jack has had a lot of work done there. Well, tell me about the passage from... Greece over to Malta was it uneventful or was it what was it like uh, relatively straightforward um, as I said we had the water pump break uh, just on our first day over so oh. so were you motoring was... were you motoring or sailing then uh, sailing we had we an amazing sailing. sail uh, okay we had great wind we had great wind until the final sort of 24 hours um, and that was when our gooseneck actually broke now you'd already had this Um, replaced though right yeah we'd already had the gooseneck replaced um, and what had actually happened was they hadn't put any like nylon washers in between the boats Uh uh, bolts sorry Uh and so over time there was just a little bit of movement with the bolt just sort of going backwards and forwards. So we learnt the hard lesson of having that small amount of movement in the boom when the sails weren't up or even when they were up in light winds and it was just kind of rocking around. 
and so You there? You're getting a lot of static suddenly in the air. Can you hear me okay? I cannot hear you. I'm going to try calling you back. All right, we had a little bit of technical difficulty. I guess you guys, something happened on your end or my end. I don't know, but we're back. Yeah, not too sure what happened there. So we were talking about your gooseneck and uh, how it broke and... And also your water pump. Is this the salt water pump you're talking about? Uh, no, it's that fresh water pump. Ah, well, that's not that, that's not as, taps. that's not as critical. Okay, that's not a problem. So. No, no, no. Uh, we were a bit smelly. We didn't get showered, but that's, <laughs> that's pretty normal. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I guess it was. Luckily, we had a few bottles of water because it was hard work trying to get the water out of the water tanks once your pump's gone. Um, but yeah, look, all in all, it was a pretty easy crossing, three-day crossing. Yeah. Um, and Valletta was just sensational to sail into. The old, oh, it's a really yeah. old town. It, it is. And it's fortified as well. It really is spectacular. It really is. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a real pleasure or a real honour to be able to anchor in some of those places as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, and have, you know, cities like that, which you can just dinghy to basically tie up you know well now did you anchor in the in the bay or did you uh, tie up at the marina there yeah so when we arrived well when we arrived we spent the first night in the marina mm-hmm. yeah that's right and then we anchored out between the two marinas there that you can see on the map right okay so you can actually anchor in malta then i didn't realize that okay yeah. It's quite a tight anchorage. I mean, if, if there's more than six other boats there, you'll be unlucky. But um, we, we got lucky that day. Actually, it was all Aussies in the in the anchorage yeah, as well. It was quite funny. four Australian boats all anchored there. Um, and then we left the boat there. We must have been there for yeah. a week. Yeah. Okay. Did you get up to the next anchorage to the north there? I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um St. Julian's Bay. Did you get around the corner up there? Oh, we got a funny story about that, actually. We tried to go into the dock to pick up my parents because they were staying in St. Julian, and we got in a lot of trouble. They, they were very hostile, weren't they? Do you remember <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah, very we hostile. We didn't know we weren't meant to be in there. We thought it was just a public dock, and um, we had these people coming out and yelling at us. They were yelling at us on the radio as well, and we didn't even have a chance to say we can get a word in edgeways to say this was a mistake <laughs> so we did we only we only stayed one night in uh st julian's actually yeah and then headed over to camino yeah which was unbelievable that headed island. over to where oh uh the blue lagoon oh yes the, yeah now didn't they sh- shoot the uh count of monte cristo on that island is that's, that's what i've heard oh yeah didn't yeah, know that did. Yeah. Oh, cool. And you can see why. Yeah. Spectacular. Um, but yeah, we, we also hired a car when we were in Valletta. Yeah, we um, Saw the catacombs of St. Paul. Yeah, and really got to explore Malta that way. Um, and, we, oh, and we actually met up with one of our YouTube followers. Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah we, Stefan. Um, so we met up with one of our fans when we were there and met him and his family. Oh, yeah. Well, while, nice. while we're yeah, at it, make, okay, tell us your YouTube channel and how people can find it, and I'll make sure I put a link in the show notes, too. Ah, oh, thank you. Well, it's it's called Finding Avalon, which is the name of our boat. 
and um, if you just type in Finding Avalon to YouTube, it should be the first thing that pops up. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'm writing it down. Um, so yeah, I so, I mean, we've been, we've been documenting the journey so far um, and, and blogging it uh, from the full process of buying the boat to all these places that we speak about. Um, so, yeah, it was really nice to meet up with a fan along the way. Yeah, and he showed us around Maltese style and he even drove us to the supermarket, which was yeah. a godsend because we had a big provision to do that week. Now, is this on Gozo or back on Malta still? This is back on Malta. So okay. he lived um, he lived near the airport, but he drove over to see us when we were staying in Valletta. Okay. Because uh, right. it's such a small place. I mean, you can get from A to B pretty quickly in a car. And, yeah, they showed us around. Okay, yeah. I remember when I flew into Malta because I left my boat there one winter, and this is when they were having a lot of the swine flu epidemic outbreaks, and I had to walk through some soapy water as I got off the plane to come into the into the town. So that was a, that's the only time I've had to walk walk through soapy water after I got off the plane. <laughs> wow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't have to do anything like that. We found the customs there very relaxed. I mean, yeah. They were only open for when they felt like it. Three hours on a Tuesday and a Thursday, or something like that. So there's two places you can clear customs. One's on that South Bay, which is the more commercial bay, and then the other one's on the uh, where I think that's the one I cleared into initially was where you cleared in. But it's been so many years. Yeah. But when I cleared out, I wanted to clear out at the middle of the night, and the only one that was open was in the uh, the commercial bay on the south side of that peninsula. So. Right. Yeah. We cleared out of Camino, didn't we, Jackson? Um, or Gozo. Yeah. We, we cleared out of Gozo. Yeah, actually. that was super easy, super swift. Really? So is there a, a clear out, a customs dock on the uh, on the south side of that, near where the marina is there? Exactly, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it was literally a little tiny office with one guy in it. Okay. Um, and can you clear in there as well or just clear out? You can go both ways? I believe you can. Yeah, I believe you can clear in there now. Okay, okay. Yeah. Did you drive around Gozo much? No, we no. just went there simply to clear out. Ah, okay, okay. After Camino. All right. Yeah. Cool. So that, and then what was I you mean, as, as you said... Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead, Franz. Uh, I was going to say, um, as you said in your original reply to my email saying where should we go we just didn't have enough time yeah for all these places well you've really boogied there's no question about it you've uh, you've yeah. zipped yeah. through here in pretty fast time but but uh you're still hitting a lot of highlights now i remember and this is the, the i just vividly remember this a friend uh picked us up at the marina or a friend of a friend somebody would actually met over in malta he had a friend over on gozo and he put us in his car and drove us all around gozo and I thought it was really odd because I'd see American flags and see uh, Stars and Stripes forever. And this is people that had gone to America, made their money, and come back and settled back in Gozo and were flying the American flag <laughs> or, oh, or the Australian oh, flag or whatever thing. else that, that they, uh, they had. Yay. Yeah. There's lots of people from Gozo in Australia and in Sydney as well. Yeah, especially. That's really funny. Yeah. So anyway... So where where did you head from there then? So we had the crossing from hell to Sardinia. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, Tell the, the, yeah, Cagliari. 
All right, so, so the crossing from hell then, okay. Yeah. So it um, started with an oil spill. <laughs> There's lots of cargo ships around Malta, and one of them um, emptied their bilges all over us, and uh. it was really bad. <laughs> so we woke up one morning, um, and as I was just walking around the deck, just doing a little inspection, I, as I got, walked out of the cockpit, I noticed that there was basically like this black tar and oil all over the deck of the boat uh. um, which had obviously just been in the water and washed up with the waves and whatnot during yeah. the night so that was day one of the crossing um, and we had quite a tight weather window because we had guests that were meet us in, meeting us in Sardinia so as you know Franz it's always hard when you have guests meeting you places because you probably end up sailing in weather windows that aren't exactly favorable mm -hmm. but we started making our way and once we were getting between uh tunisia and italy we had quite a big swell on um basically on the nose but only about 10 knots and uh so we we're actually running the engine just to punch through the swell because we we just weren't making ground we were only doing about two and a half knots or something so as we're running the engine um and the boat was kind of rocking backwards and forwards uh we had our first problem with running the engine dry fuel because mm. the boat was on such a lean that the fuel was obviously going to one side of the tank and sucked up an air bubble mm. um and i had done a brief diesel mechanic maintenance course before we left for this adventure and um, so I thought oh well I know what to do you know I can put some more fuel in and uh, we'll just run the lift pump and re-bleed the system uh -huh. but the lift pump just wasn't strong enough to really properly re-bleed the system and in I think we're in probably a three to four meter seat oh yeah and being down below in the engine compartment trying to siphon fuel was just one of the worst experiences I've had. You're my hero. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't get the engine going and uh, we had to make our way to Sardinia, which was fine. We until had we, some good breeze on the yeah, beach, so we, it was fine up until a certain point. Yeah, we got to the point where we were still in that four meter sea but the breeze just completely died Ooh. and we were just out there at the mercy of the ocean <laughs> and we were there for about 12 hours i'd say with no breeze the boom was smashing and the, all the plates inside the house was smashing as well there was nothing we could do just the roll was just excruciating it was some kind of like torture chamber that we just wanted to get off and it's that experience where you put the sails up because you think, oh, well, we'll put the sails up and that'll help the roll. Mm -hmm. And then you but flop, then, flop, flop. Yeah. But, yeah, and then you just hear the boom creaking, the rigging creaking, and then you're like, well, this is probably just doing more damage. Then you pull it all yeah. down again. and Oh, it was just so painful. Um, so we sat in that for about 12 hours. And then at about 6 a.m., we got about, yeah, five knots of breeze and we could just get the boat going. Uh, 
Um, and by this point, we're about 100 miles out from Sardinia. And we finally, like, we sailed all day and the breeze kept picking up, picking up. And we made our way until we were eight miles from the marina. And the sun was setting and the breeze just died again. And Ooh. not having the engine, it was like we could see the marina, we could see the lights, you know, we could probably see our friends there waiting for us, but just couldn't get there. So, did did, uh, did you think about putting the dinghy in the water and running the dinghy motor dinghy? That's what we did. Ah, yeah, okay. so that was what we yeah. ended up doing for Arms. You beat us to it. Um, so, we hooked up the little six torque power and uh, we ended up pushing the boat for the last. 10 miles, yeah. I think. And Jackson got really depressed because the boat um, was faster pushing it with the dinghy than it actually was using the actual <laughs> yeah. We were still doing four knots or something with the little six horsepower outboard instead of the 30 horsepower diesel that, um, you know, <laughs> I think if we had any swell or any wind on the nose, we obviously wouldn't be doing that. But, um, so, so how did you do this? Now, the way I would have done it with my dinghy is I would have just tied my dinghy along the side and then locked the uh, motor in place, and then steered from the uh, steered from my my main steering post. How did you guys do it? We tried that, but it jackknifed, and Jackson nearly no, no, died. No. no, no. The first problem I did was I thought I would tow the boat with the dinghy. Uh huh. Um, but what happened was I wasn't able to keep a straight course in the dinghy, and so as the boat built up momentum it would start to pull the dinghy to one side and then if I got if I let the throttle off and tried to slow down the dinghy the boat would then start pulling the dinghy from behind and I'd end up turning 180 degrees and getting uh, pulled by the boat uh -huh. so we ended up tying the bow of the dinghy to the back of the boat and just pushing uh, okay. pushing the boat and we did the same we just locked off the engine and were able to push it I okay. think if I did it again, I'd do what you suggested and tie the dinghy alongside because we actually saw another boat do that later on, mm. um, okay. Okay. which made a lot more sense. So, yeah, I would say to anyone out there, put the dinghy alongside and do it that way. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's how you learn, right? That's how you learn. <laughs> do it the hard way. So, um, so you pulled into Cagliari then, is that right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So we made our way in there. Um, I, the first thing I did the next day was I went to the marine store and one, went and bought one of those uh, pumping bulbs that you normally see on like an outboard fuel tank, mm -hmm. one of the hand bulbs. Mm -hmm. And I put that in line um, in my fuel and uh, re-bled re the engine in 30 seconds. Yeah, it's done. yeah. I've had those on mine for, from day one because you know, they never show you that in... In marine manuals, they never talk about that, but it's so simple and so easy never, to do. Never, No, and I and I always did it because whenever I changed my fuel filter, which is a Raycor fuel filter, I wanted to top off the yeah. fuel, and there's no way exactly. to do it otherwise. So, yeah. 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 So another novice tip there, just go and get yourself the two-euro handbowl and put that in mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so so easy, yeah. Now, what kind of engine do you have? Uh, we've got a Perkins, okay. Perkins engine. Um, as we said in the last podcast, uh, it's only two years old now. It's uh, quite new. Okay. Um, and so far has been very reliable. 
except for a few electrical connections which tend to corrode and yeah. you end up thinking the worst but it's normally just the electrical connection yeah 90 percent of all the problems i've had on my boat have been electrical problems it's just seems yeah. to be the way. yeah um and the other problem we've got at the moment is we've got some algae growing in the fuel tank ah, okay. uh, which tends to happen when you're down here in the warmer climates yeah do you put so, any of that bioside yeah, stuff do you put any of that uh ad- yeah. additive you do and you're still getting it oh okay oh no okay. no we didn't do it before we didn't do it before all right is, yeah another rookie error so anyone out there make sure you do that yeah yeah, I always yeah, put so that anyway, in. At, uh, I always put that in at the end ahead. of the year. I don't put it in so much during the summer when I'm sailing, but I always put it in when I put my boat up to store. That uh, bio side, I guess, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, continue on. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no problems. Um, so we met our two friends, Luke and Ben. Uh, they met us there in Sardinia, and we started making our way up the western coast of Sardinia. Unfortunately, it ended up being, being pretty short-lived because a strong mistral was arriving in, in about four days from when we got there. So we had to leave. Um, we only got three days in Sardinia. Mm. So you were working oh, your way up the west coast. Did you say the west coast of Sardinia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's we not were, that much on the uh, west we, coast, is there? The, what we were actually looking for was a bit of surf and kite surfing locations. So ah, okay. uh, Ben, who was with us and myself, are uh, pretty keen kite boarders. So we were trying to seek out the best kiting we could find. And it was the first place in the Med that we'd been to that had sandy beaches. So we fell in love with it immediately. Yeah, <laughs> sandy beaches, good wind for kiting. So we actually had a ball inside in here. Um, probably didn't have the most conventional trip inside in here for what we expected it was going to be. But it was actually really nice to be in Italy for a little bit, have some nice Italian food, um, and just get some really nice kiting done um, and explore the beaches and the coastline that way. It was really good. We went to a place called Oristano, which was really amazing. Yeah. Natural beauty, and then a few um, kind of old tourist bits to have a look at. Um, And so we actually checked out of Oristano up there, which is sort of halfway up that western coast yeah. um, and made our way over to Ibiza and as Xanthi said I mean we had planned to do a lot more time there in Sardinia but we were getting towards the end of the season and of the Med in, in particular and it was the advice you gave Franz when we, when we met up in Montenegro of just saying you know when you start getting towards the end of the season you just start seeing a lot more red and purple mm-hmm. on that on that map um on the, weather, so, on the weather maps we're talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, on the weather maps. Um, so you have to kind of, at that point, you really need to pick your weather windows, especially between Sardinia and Ibiza, because as Anthony said, you get very strong mistrals, which are often 50-plus knots. So we made the call to leave Sardinia three days early meant we got an extra few days over in Ibiza. Yeah, we're pretty keen to head back to Sardinia at some point because yeah. it's really special. Okay, so I'm looking I'm looking at Oratanto. Or, or, or is that the name of the town? Yeah, or, Oristano. Oristano. And it looks like it's a big industrial port. Is that where you checked out of was the big industrial port? No, there's actually a little marina. Yeah, up there on the, really around the corner. Yeah. 
up up the northern end. Right. Okay. Um, so that's where you cleared out. We of checked that. out there. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we made our way. It was a, I think it was about a 350 mile passage. Yeah. Um, from Oristano to Ibiza. And we we ended up in Ibiza at um, midnight on a Saturday night, so it was time to hit the clubs, which was pretty funny. <laughs> so <laughs> you timing. skipped over Menorca and Mallorca and went straight to Ibiza. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That yeah. was yeah. We wish that we had more time to be able to do those two islands. We've heard great things about them. Okay. Another reason to go back and get another boat and bring it back then, right? Yeah, exactly. Boat. That's right. Exactly. But Ibiza was amazing, wasn't it, Jackson? The west side of Ibiza was so cool. Oh, yeah. So Beautiful. We, uh, we had a few days with our friends, uh, Ben and Luke, and then they left us there in Ibiza, mm-hmm. and my parents joined us in Ibiza, and we spent uh, 10 days with them exploring Ibiza and Formentera. Um, and, yeah, just, again, a really nice little cruising ground, a lot to offer. There's actually a few nice little reefs to explore. Yeah, and lovely sandy beaches with just perfect crystal clear water. Okay, so you went around. Uh, the only time I've been through Ibiza, I went around the South Island up through the town of Ibiza and then that way. And you you said, did you go over to the west side of Ibiza? And there's yeah. Some, we okay. S- we, we started in the town then went up, up the whole west side. And okay. every corner of it was gorgeous. Good anchorage spots or not? Yeah. Yeah. We anchored next to the salt flats where uh, Ibiza's famous for its salt. Uh And we anchored next to the salt flats. Uh, You're meant to be able to see flamingos there, but we were there at the wrong time. Uh, And that anchorage was just perfect because it's so tucked away. One of the apps that we found really helpful for anchoring was called Navali. Navali? No, what is it called? N A V A L E? N A V I L Y? Okay, all right. And basically, it's just... Uh, it's a trip advisor for anchorages. Yeah, it's just other cruises, and they put drop pins on anchorages. Um, they tell you, you know, what kind of bottom it is, what kind of wind directions it's protected from. But Whether most of all, there's, like, a lot of comments below. So people say, oh, you know, be careful of the rocks in the south corner or um, weedy patches and whatnot. Yeah. So we found that super helpful for just finding little anchorages along the way, which I personally struggled to find information often on anchorages. Yeah. Yeah, the pilots are very sketchy on a lot of that stuff. I mean... Yeah. And and a lot there's lots of little anchorages that are not covered in the pilots as well. So I'll be sure to add that to my and list. And also... So. Yeah. I, I'd really recommend that. And also, we found, like, some anchorages, you know... They might be in the pilot, but since the pilot was done, you know, the local laws have changed. Like, maybe that's become a nature reserve or anchoring is now not allowed and whatnot. And so I found it really helpful having the app with sort of real-time comments of people on there saying, you know, you can't anchor here anymore or you can here or whatnot. Yeah. So that was good. Well, that's good information. I'd never heard of that app, so I'll be sure to add it to my to my iPhone. That's good. All right, so from there, uh, how long were you on Ibiza then? For about three or four days? Uh, so Ibiza, we spent oh, a week and then Formentera, which is the small little island to the south. We spent yeah. another week down there. Mm-hmm. Formentera was lovely. Um, and then my parents 
particularly my mum wasn't too keen on doing a crossing from Ibiza over to mainland Spain. So mm-hmm. they got on a cruise and or a powerboat, sorry, and made their way over. Okay. Um, and then Xanthi and I made our way down to where do we go after that? Uh, Marcia. Oh, Cartagena. Cartagena, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we headed to Spain where everything got cheaper and easier. So basically. You, you headed quite a way south. You're, then the closest port would have been uh, Alicante or Benidorm. Yeah, so, so you, my parents right. live in Cartagena. Um, so okay. that's, that was the reasoning behind that. And it ended up being a fantastic marina. It was really cheap. They had an Olympic sized swimming pool. Everyone was really helpful, and it was right in the town. Yeah, I've been yeah. into that marina. I love, and I love the pat, the entry into that marina as well. It's oh, it's yeah, very special. It's amazing. Yeah. So look, we didn't actually. We only spent a day or two there. Um, as Anthony said, we actually got a very well-deserved week off the boat. So we left the boat there in that marina. Uh, locked it up and went and spent a week in a house, which was nice to have yeah. warm running showers and not be rocking <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all right, so now we've got another 45 minutes, and uh, we're going to stop it there. And okay. I'd, I'd love to continue on today, but I, I've actually got to do some other work today. And I, yeah, no, can, fair enough. Can we get back online tomorrow and catch up with the rest of it? Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, look, let's have a go on how we go tomorrow. Okay. Um, how about otherwise I'll... Um, yeah, otherwise Thursday. Sounds good. That's, that's great. We've got... Does that work for you, France? Yeah, that works for me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thanks a lot, you guys. We'll okay. catch up. Thank you. Thank you very much, France. Okay, bye-bye. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing.